and welcome to A Path to Redemption, the podcast. My name is Daniel Arona, and just remember the simple truth. The Father loves you, Jesus loves you, and the Holy Spirit loves you. Once again, I hope that you've had a great week. I hope that you've had time to spend with the Lord in prayer and also in His Scripture. And I know I say this every week, and you're probably getting tired of it, but I just have to be honest with you in, in that I just we have to stay close to Him. We have to. We have to latch on to Him grab on to him and because Jesus is the only peace that we are going to have at this moment in time and particularly in this type of world and and I think that it's important and I want to be clear here like I, I've been teaching on this thread around around the what could potentially be happening with Hamas and Israel and what's kind of going on over in the Middle East and where it could potentially lead particularly with Ezekiel 38 wrapping up um, last week but I want to be clear here the reason I teach this and the reason I feel led to teach this is not just so that we know what's going on right like we have Christ like we shouldn't even be worrying about any of the situations or anything like that. The reason I teach this is because we, so that we can share the gospel with others. If they're frightened for what's happening right now, if they're concerned about what's happening right now, then we've got to make sure that they know that their only rest and peace is in Jesus Christ. And if we're not going to share the gospel, if we are not going to to do that, then what, what kind of Christians are we? If we're going to go every single day in our lives, in our normal lives, whether it's the people that pour our coffee every single morning or the people that we work with or the people that we interact with on a daily basis, why, and we don't care enough about their souls to tell them about Jesus and that Jesus is coming back, then what are we doing? What is our purpose here? Because if it's not to spread the gospel and to give the good news of Jesus Christ and to give them hope when there, frankly, is no hope out there right now, the only hope is in Jesus Christ. And for them to realize that that they can be in perfect peace if their mind is stayed upon him, you know, and I think that that's important. We've got to be able to do that because we have salvation. We have the blessed assurance, right? That Jesus is ours and that we're going to be protected and that he's going to watch over us regardless. And when I say that, I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean naturally. It might cost some of us our lives over time, but at the end of the day, we still have Christ. And at the end of the day, we still have a heaven to make our home. And even though I heard one minister say a very interesting thing that the earth is our destination because we come back and rule and reign with him in the millennium. And I find that very, very interesting. And particularly when Jesus Christ and, and the Father both make the new heaven and the new earth, they both dwell on the earth. So the earth is our destination, but we've got to make sure that we we are getting out to people and that we are spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. Be bold about it. Be bold about it. He will give you the words, but who are we preparing for Christ? Who are we out there actively trying to tell and talk about Jesus Christ with? It just It's so important right now and more so than ever because I truly believe that Jesus is coming soon. So with that being said, uh, we're going to be in Ezekiel 39 today. Um, again, just a, a couple of housekeeping items. All of our scripture comes from the New King James Version of the Bible. If you would like a copy, feel free to drop me a note at path to redemption Ohio at gmail.com. Also, if my new book's out, Grace Abounds. If you'd like a copy of that, drop me a note. 
pathredemptionohio at gmail.com. Also, if you want a digital copy, you can certainly send me that as well, and I'll get you out the EPUB version um, for of my book as well. Um, and then again, don't just take my word for it. This is one thread. This is one possible thread of things that may happen. So don't just take my word for it. Make sure you study to show yourself approved unto God. Do your own work and make sure that you have what God has for you. Amen. So with that, again, this week we're going to wrap up our look at the possible wars of Israel. And, I, and again, I want to be clear, this is not a comprehensive list. There are other things such as there's there's some passages in Zechariah, particularly Micah 5 about the, uh, the Syrian. Um, there's, uh, there's a whole host of other things that may potentially happen. And, and I'll be honest, I don't know how Micah 5 fits in here. But at the end of the day, though, I do think um, that all of, obviously all of this has to be fulfilled, I believe, before the return of Christ, um, the second coming, the, the great day of the Lord that's prophesied in the Old Testament. But with that being said, let's, let's go ahead and get started. Ezekiel 39, 1 through 2. And it says, A new son of man prophesy against Gog and say, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O Gog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach and Tubal, and I will turn you around and lead you on, bringing you up from the far north and bring you up against the mountains of Israel. Let's stop here. Again, God is talking about Gog, the prince of Rosh, and as we kind of talked about last week, I believe that this means the the prince of the mountain. Um, and I, like I said last week, I truly believe that Turkey is what the what the focus is here. Turkey is part of Meshach and Tubal. Um, it's, it's kind of that Turkey down into the Tuscany area of Italy. Um, and then, uh, and then obviously where the Cappadocians were in central, in central Turkey. But at the end of the day, I believe that this is the, the head, the prince of the mountain is the meaning for Roche coming out of Gog. Again, all of that coming out of Magog, I should say all of that again, being the area around the Black Sea, um, on the Eastern part of the Black Sea. So I think that, that understanding that, it's very, very possible that this could be talking once again about the Prince of Turkey at the time. And I find it very interesting. And I don't know if Erdogan's still going to be around or not. But Erdogan just recently came out um, this week, actually, and just basically said that Hamas is not a terrorist organization and that this is Israel's fault. And Israel, in turn, cut off political ties with diplomatic ties with Turkey. Um, now, is that is that happening because of the prophecy? I don't know. But I do think it's clear when Erdogan goes as far as to say that he will personally hold Israel responsible for the things that are happening right now in Gaza. I think that's really, really important, right? Because let's not forget here, this is the tail end of this. And we'll kind of wrap up everything everything in a nice bow here at the end. But um, but just want you to be thinking about that as we go forward. The scripture is clear that this is from the far north. The far northern mountains from Israel are in Turkey. I did some research on that. 80% of Turkey is a mountainous region. They can't even grow food there, which I think is part of the reason why they come down and plunder. And they try to get get the, the grain and the things that, that they need, frankly, from Israel. Um, and it's, you know, it says now the Lord will bring them up against the mountains of Israel. And what this actually means, I, I don't a hundred percent know. Um, it could mean that they will enter Israel through Syria along the Golan Heights around the base of Mount Hermon. But we know that as they enter, that there will be a massive earthquake to where the mountains will be cast down. The high places will be ta- cast down. And then ultimately every wall in the city is going to be brought down. So at the end of the day, is that what that means? 
means. I don't know. Could it be the fact that the mountains are cast down? There's a, an undiscovered volcano under there. I, I don't know. Um, that very well may be possible because we know that Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed the exact same way, right? From um, during the time of of Abraham. But we will see ultimately. But God's pretty clear about what he's going to do in terms of his protection um, of Israel. So then let's see what happens to the armies here in Ezekiel 39, um, 3 and 6. And it says, Now I will knock the bow out of your left hand and cause arrows to fall out of your right hand. You shall fall upon the mountains of Israel, you and your troops, and the peoples who are with you. I will give you to the birds of the prey and every sort of beast, uh, and every sort, and to the beasts of the field to be devoured. You shall fall on the open field, for I have spoken, says the Lord God. And I will and fire on Magog and those who live in security in the coastlands. Then they shall know that I am the Lord. So a few things here. I will knock the bow out of your left hand and cause the arrows to fall from your right. The bow being the mechanism of the attack and the arrows being the ammunition. If the people are confounded as they were in Ezekiel 38, it's very possible that they will either malfunction or they will attack each other. Either way, the offensive measures to attack Israel are done away with. This also leads to the coalition falling on the mountains of Israel, all the troops of these nations. They are given to the birds and to the beasts to be devoured. This means there will be so many that it's not even going to be possible for them to be fully buried. And last week we talked about all the nations that are involved here and and we'll wrap that up here again. But it, it, when you think about all the nations and all the people that may be coming, this could very easily happen. And then it says, He will send fire on Magog and those who dwell in security in the coastlands. So last week, again, we said that Magog was the area of the Scythians. Ultimately, if this is the case, this is the coastlands of the Black Sea and those nations that God will send fire. This could be the same fire that destroys the armies that are coming down to attack. It could be kind of a miraculous fire. Um, or it could be be that the nations can finally catch up and and attack the area that attacked Israel. What the actual truth is here, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see how the prophecy is fulfilled over time, assuming that we are still here. Now, the purpose of this is kind of shown here, and that's in Ezekiel 39, 7 through 8, where it says, So I will make my holy name in the midst of my people Israel, and I will not let them profane my holy name anymore. Then the nation shall know that I am the Lord, the Holy One in Israel. Surely it is coming, and it shall be done, says the Lord God that this is the day of which I have spoken. His name will be holy in Israel. They will no longer be able to profane the name of the Lord, and all the nations will know the Lord. Now, that does not mean that they are coming to Jesus Christ. And I want to be clear about that, because we have seen this time and time and time again, right? Whether it was the 1948 war, the Yom Kippur war in, in 73, or, or whatever it was, where we have seen miracle after miracle for the Israeli forces to protect the homeland, to protect the the Israel, and God has done that himself. But notice here that they're not going to profane the name of the Lord anymore, but yet there's still nothing about there's no nothing about Christ. They're not going to be reconciled to Christ really until Revelation 19 comes in. And I think that that's important to, for us to understand because the whole tribulation about being Jacob's trouble, trouble is, is really about the reconciliation of the Jewish people to the Lord. And, you know, if you look at Joseph, there's a prophetic portion in there about Joseph where him being second only to Pharaoh, similar to Christ, as a second only to God, is reconciled to his brothers. And that's a picture of the end here. And ultimately, when the Jewish people are fully reconciled back to, back to, to Jesus Christ.
So then what happens to the remains of this great army? Ezekiel 39, 9 through 10 says this, Then those who dwell in the cities of Israel will go out and set on fire and burn the weapons, both the shields and the bucklers, the bows and the arrows, the javelins and the spears, and they will make fires with them for seven years. They will not take wood from the field nor cut down any from the forest because they will make fires with the weapons and they will plunder those who plundered them and pillage those who pillaged them, says the Lord. They are going to burn these weapons for seven years, seven years to clean up everything that's going to come against Israel. That should tell you how massive this force is. And when you're talking about the number of nations that are there, um, you're talking about a significant force that's coming up. Now, what happens to all the bodies of all these people that die in this war? And that's shown in 11 through 16 of Ezekiel 39. It shall come to pass in that day that I will give Gog a burial place there in Israel, the valley of those who pass by the by east of the sea, and it will obstruct travelers because there they will bury Gog and all his multitude. Therefore, they will call it the valley of Hamon Gog. For seven months, the house of Israel will be burying them in order to to cleanse the land. Indeed, all the people of the land will be burying, and they will gain renown for it on the day that I am glorified, says the Lord God. They will set apart men regularly employed with the help of a search party to pass through the land and bury those bodies remaining on the ground in order to cleanse it. At the end of seven months, they will make a search. The search party will pass through the land, and when anyone sees a man's bone, he shall set up a marker by it till the barriers can have buried it in the valley of Hamon Gog. The name of the city will also be Hamona. Thus they shall cleanse the land. So a few things here. Gog and his multitude are going to be buried east of the sea. Notice the scripture doesn't say great sea, which is what historically is said with, with the Mediterranean. This means that we're talking about an area east of the Dead Sea. This is east of, of the Jordan River and part of modern-day Jordan, but it is outside the land of Israel in terms of the Millennial Kingdom. It will take up seven months for them to clean the bodies and to cleanse the land. This will be full-time jobs for people. It will be to go. And then because the animal coming in to devour all of these men, when they see a bone, they'll have to pick it up and then go and bury it. That is an incredible number of men um, that are going to be dying on the mountains of of Israel here that are going to, it's going to take them that long for it to, for them to be buried. So continuing on here, 17 through 20 says, and as for you, son of man, thus says the Lord God, speak to every sort of bird and every beast of the field, assemble yourselves and come gather together from all sides to my sacrificial meal, which I am sacrificing for you, a great sacrificial meal on the mountains of Israel, that you may eat flesh and drink blood. You shall eat the flesh of the mighty, drink the blood of the princes of the earth, of rams and lambs, of goats and bulls, all of them fatlings of Bashan. You shall eat fat till you are full and drink blood till you are drunk. In my sacrificial meal, which I am sacrificing for you, you shall be filled at my table with horses and riders, with mighty men and with all the men of war, says the Lord. So the multitude again is so vast that there is no possible way for people to get to each person. So the Lord invites all the animals, the birds to come and feast on the carcasses of these mighty men. 
that's an amazing thought process there when you think about this, right? Because what God is ultimately saying is that is that he's taking these people out and he's going to give them over to the beasts of the field and to the fowls of the air. And in thinking about this, you know, they would still have a desire for blood. They would still have a desire for flesh. So we wouldn't be in the millennial kingdom for this because ultimately that scripture says that the lion would lay down with the lamb and that there would be peace for them, that the animals would not want the blood anymore. Um, which is where the life of anything is. But at the end of the day, the attack is so massive from so many nations. And again, we labeled out those nations last time, right, in terms of, of who they are and where they are. It it would be Russia, Ukraine, uh, Georgia, Azerbaijan, Armenia, Romania, Bulgaria, modern-day Turkey, um, even down into, the, into parts of Italy, including Tuscany, Persia, which is modern-day Iran, um, then you'd have Sudan, South Sudan, Djibouti, Eritrea, possibly Somalia even, and then Libya, Tunisia, Algeria, Morocco, um, the land in between the Caspian Sea and the Black Sea, which is modern-day Armenia. And then you have Gomer, which is Gaul, which could be as much as France, Belgium, Luxembourg, Switzerland, Netherlands, Germany, northern Italy again, or it could mean be more driven towards Germany. But at the end of the day, think about all those nations. And what is the one thing, and let's let's take out the the western side of Europe, but what is the one thing that all of those nations have in common is that they are Muslim nations, absolutely run by Muslims that's with a majority religion that's there. But even in Western Europe, you're starting to see pieces and issues where people have the Western Europe took in a ton of, of refugees from the Middle East. And look, I, I'm all about helping people when they're in need. But as a nation, though, you have to understand that when you take in a people that don't hold your same values, that don't hold your core values, then what's going to happen is that it is going to overtake you and you're going to have to deal with it at some point. And that's what's happening in Europe right now, particularly with the refugees out of Syria that all of these nations took. So it's very possible that in the future, Western Europe, which honestly does have some anti-Semitism in it already, would come against Israel and join the Muslim nations. So I said I was going to wrap this up and, and I was going to put a nice bow on it. So here's the thread, and here's what I'm telling you, right? This overall is a war between the Jewish people and the Muslim nations. And I want to be clear about that, right? Because at the end of the day, what happened is Hamas has attacked Israel. If we believe Obadiah, right, then what's going to happen is Israel comes back. They're going to to take Felicia, which is the part of the Gaza Strip, and they're going to own the land basically from the, the border of Egypt all the way up to Zarephath, which is in southern Jordan. That area is currently occupied by Hezbollah. Israel has already said that they're going to take care of Hezbollah. Now, also in Obadiah, it says that Benjamin will inherit or will occupy Gilead, which is on the other side of the West Bank, right? So understanding that then, then we know that Israel's going to go in here and I don't believe they'll ever let the Palestinian Authority run the Gaza Strip again because of Hamas, but they're doing the land portion here and they're going to take over that land again. So I think that if that happens, 
the the Muslims and particularly the terrorist groups around Israel are not going to let that fall and let that sit. So what they're going to do is they're going to come against Israel and they're going to attack. And I think that that's where we see Psalm 83. And it's very possible that as we kind of see a uh, uh, the land changing hands in the Gaza Strip and in, and in those areas I mentioned, that Psalm 83 could be fulfilled simultaneously as Obadiah, which could be fulfilled simultaneously as Jeremiah 49, because Israel is going to attack back and they're going to fight back. So I think that we have to see that and understand that we might be looking at three potential parallel prophecies happening at the exact same time between the people that the the factions in, in Psalm 83, the cities that are destroyed in Jeremiah 49 and Isaiah 17 as well, and then ultimately leading to the land changing hands in Obadiah. Now, the other thing I would say that leads because ultimately all of those nations aren't mentioned in Ezekiel 38, right? So at that point, the allies for these Muslim Arab nations in the Middle East then begin to attack. And that's where Ezekiel 38 comes in because you have the rest of the Muslim world coming back and against Israel, right? And I think that we have to be clear about that. And the other thing I would say here uh, regarding that is that at some point, there's going to be a little bit or brief respite of peace between Israel and the Muslim world. But then the the king of the mountain, which I believe to be the king of Turkey, is going to come down and then ultimately lead this whole people, all these Muslim people, against Israel to wipe Israel out. Don't forget that I think that a lot of this starts with the the theocracy or the belief of Mahadism, where they've got to take out Israel in order to see their Muslim Messiah come to pass. So when that happens, God himself defends Israel. Now, why is it God himself? Maybe it's because, because the Israel's allies either won't or can't come to their aid, right? And I think that's that's key because I, I would like to think that hopefully America still would, but I don't know anymore. But at the end of the day, if America's involved in a war in Europe, the war in the Middle East, and potentially a war in the Pacific, if China decides to invade Taiwan, they might not, we may not have the resources to go anymore. And we may not have the resources to come to the aid of Israel. So when God comes down and they attack and God does this thing, you know, I was asked tonight at Bible study, well, well, how does that push them into the arms of of the Antichrist to sign that peace treaty? And I said, because Israel will be exhausted from war, not only because of lives lost in war, but financially they may not have the money, but they may not have the weapons. And they may look at the Assyrian, who is the, the Antichrist, coming in saying, I will give you safety and security. And all you have to do is sign a seven-year peace treaty with me. Then at that moment in time, they would love to do that. And they would jump to do that for a chance to have peace in in the midst of all of these wars that they are coming out of. Now, again, this is how it can potentially go. This is one way of it potentially going. But I want to be clear that there is going to be a war between all the Muslim nations and Israel. It is literally going to feel like it's the world versus Israel. But God himself is 
going to come and fight for his chosen people. Amen. And I think that that's important, right? I think that's very, very important as we go in through this. And look, like I said, I'm not teaching this so that everyone knows what's going to happen because I don't know what's going to happen. And to be honest, I don't think anyone knows exactly what's going to happen. And if they tell you they do, I'm sorry, but they're lying because no one knows exactly what's about to, what's about to go down. But here's the thing I do know is that you can take this information and you can tell people about it and you can tell them that their only hope is in Jesus Christ. Our only hope is in Jesus Christ, but we know that. We need to bring them into the hope of Jesus Christ. We need to bring others that don't know him into the hope of Jesus Christ and the ability to understand who he is and what he is and what he will do in our lives and in their lives, right? And that we can rely on him and that we can do a lot of things, you know, through him, including suffering for the for the kingdom and including uh, focusing on, on other people for him, right? Look, the time's coming where it, it's, it, it's going to come here to America. There's going to be persecution. There's going to be a lot of things that are going to happen as well. But at the end of the day, We have got to keep our eyes on Jesus Christ. That is our only hope. Amen. So with that, I hope you got something out of it. I I hope you enjoyed this lesson, um, this series. Um, uh, You know, we'll see what God has for us afterwards. I do want to start keeping you up to date on some current events that are actually working through um, the way through in in uh that are happening right now that are leading to the beast system so we'll talk about that for a little bit um we if the lord allows we'll get back to our study in esther um but if not then i might end up in in michael 5 and kind of talking a little bit about that so um but regardless of all of this just put your faith and your hope in jesus christ because that's the only place that our hope can be and never forget this simple truth the father loves you jesus loves you and the holy spirit loves you God bless.